A question I am asked a lot, <laughs> and by a lot I mean all the time, is how do you find meaning, fulfillment, purpose, uh, any kind of way to just invigorate yourself while you're alone? And there's a lot of layers of this topic, but basically, how do you spend time alone successfully um, and feel fulfilled after it and don't feel aimless or lonely or just purposeless? Because that's the temptation of being alone is that we just start navel gazing and we forget what it means to just like soak in that solitude. So hang out with me, give it a listen. You're probably listening to this while you're alone, so maybe it resonates with you. If it doesn't, then maybe you should just go out with your friends. <laughs> Whatever you feel like you need to hear in this episode, just make a mental note, write it down, and maybe sit with it. That's, that's what I'm giving you. The inspiration for this episode really came out of the fact that I think there's a a thing in the world, a thing, where we, if we're not in a romantic relationship or we're not dating, we don't know how to be alone. And then when we are in a romantic relationship, we still don't know how to be alone when we are alone. Whether good or bad, you're you're thinking about that person in a good way or you're thinking about the relationship in an all-consuming way, you're giddy over it, excited over it, or even just like, overwhelmed by it there's a lot going on maybe someone's going through a lot of suffering or trauma and you're like trying to stay by their side and you don't necessarily know how to deal with it and then when you do have five minutes alone you're like all I'm doing is thinking about that person's situation that's great and I'm sure there are some times in your life or some 20 minutes of your day that you should be thinking about another person if they're going through a hard situation Or you should be thinking about a person if they're like going on a job interview or they're going on a really meaningful work project. Uh, Maybe they're taking a really hard final exam, whatever it is. Like you can give yourself permission to have mental energy fixated on that person. That's good. That's great. What I'm saying is there's also a time to abandon that. And abandonment doesn't necessarily mean that you forget about them altogether but you can let it go and know that you don't need to think about it 24-7 to have complete control over it. And sometimes people naturally get into this mindset and sometimes people need to be told this. And wherever you're at, whether you're 13 or 31, I don't care because you can fall into these human behaviors at any point in your life. Um, especially because all like there's all different seasons of your life and other people's life where you know like either this is a season of carefree fun and we just go out and we have fun but then there's a season of like oh my gosh that person's grandma died they need me or oh my gosh I'm going through a lot at work I need this or that or whatever like your needs change you're a human being that's how it works so my first point in in trying to teach you how to be alone which is so funny because it's a lesson we all want to know information on but no one's giving it to us how to be alone is welcome any emotion that comes to mind that comes to feelings um when it comes to feelings that you're feeling whatever i'm trying to say um maybe even acknowledge where the feeling is coming from i know there are times when i sit alone and i feel like 
pain of anxiety and like the chaos in my mind just like almost like a tornado like it's just like moving really fast and like a circular motion and I can't settle it that's okay welcome that emotion and I sit myself down and I know immediately one or two things happen when I'm in those kind of moods where I can't settle myself and really like sink into solitude Um, Another time this happens is when I'm like so hyper fixated on the fact that I'm quote unquote lonely. You're not lonely. You're just in solitude. Like I know I have friends. but I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no one. And it's like this darkness comes over me. I'm like, yes, I have people. So stop. Where's that coming from? But welcome those emotions. Name them and don't deny them. Because I'll tell you exactly what I start doing. It's a term called buffering. But like basically you feel like the pain of the anxiety or the tornado in your mind or you know you like want to go think about this certain thing that's like really heavy on your mind but you start going on your phone you scroll through facebook you scroll through instagram you you online shop maybe you um if it's not online shopping your your consumerism is is dealt somewhere uh maybe you just get that weird sense of addiction where you go to food or you go to substance abuse and not necessarily abuse but you go to a substance um I just want to welcome you to not turn to those things. And I know our culture is heavily fixated on substances right now, like vapes and smoking, any kind of smoking, Um, alcohol, even if you're not of age, uh, pornography, any type of like emotional comfort in the form of substance that like makes us forget that we're having those emotionally hard moments and um i just like to encourage you like put them aside whatever those things are that you really think are helping your anxiety i want you to instead just welcome every emotion that comes because it's one of those things where if you sit with the emotion it goes away i'm pretty sure statistically in 90 seconds that emotion will go away if you allow yourself to think about it if you allow yourself to take it from the back of your mind into the front of your mind say everything you need to say, get everything out you need to get out, it's, it's, boom, peace floods in as soon as you allow yourself to do that. So again, that's, that's like the number one thing. Welcome any emotion. If you have 20 minutes, if you have 10 minutes throughout your day, if it's on your lunch break, just give yourself that undivided attention. um, And please consider opening yourself up to God at that moment. Um, even when you don't feel it, he's moving. Even when you don't see it, he's there. So just say like, Lord, I acknowledge you're here, even if I don't see it. And I just welcome you to be here with me in these emotions. Cause he almost necessary, like, necess- like, <laughs> I won't remember to edit that out. So just deal with me. Most times, 11 out of 10 times, God wants to take the emotion out of you or he wants to have a conversation with you about the emotion. And I think some of us forget that we can turn to God with our messiness and our chaos. And I've always turned to God about the most crazy, horrific, weirdest desires I've ever had, feelings I've ever had. Um, most of my time with the Lord is like, I know how awful I am. And like, I'm just going to think about it and talk it out. And then here's where I'm feeling. And he's like, okay, great. Um, It's a really like just awesome conversation. And to deprive ourselves of that is awful for the fact that I think we are starting to live in a generation where we know 
the sensation of a substance more than we know a connection to God. We know the absolute high, literally, that substances can give us, but we don't know the absolute glory, freedom, and like complete calming peace of Jesus. And that's a problem, but I know a lot of us in in trying to find that connection with God even deeper than we already have, or even just trying to find it, period, we don't welcome every emotion because we think we have to be on our best behavior for him, and it's not the case. My gosh, it's not the case at all. I don't, like, I need to scream it to you. I need to grab you by the shoulders and shake you because that's not the case at all. And then... Don't fall into navel gazing. So navel gazing is is like scrolling on your phone, but kind of like where your head's dropped and your hands are just kind of at your belly button and you twiddle your thumbs and you just like have this little dark cloud over yourself and you're like, "Mm, I'm just so small and like I'm ineffective and blah, blah, blah. I'm just wounded and here I am. (sighs) Like that's not the solution either. Pick yourself up. The head comes up. Either close your eyes or open them and just imagine, I'm like doing it, that's why my mouth is like going away from the microphone, and imagine yourself just being open and receptive to the Lord. And Jesus always opens himself up to us because when we see that crucifix in a Catholic church, you are seeing God himself stripped down from any article of clothing, hung on a cross like some worm with his hands stretched out open wide. And if he can make himself that vulnerable and risk being humiliated in what he looks like in front of you, you damn well better be able to as well. And that's all I'm saying. Don't think you're holier than God because God stooped down to the fa- to the, like the very factor of being a victim to say, I'm vulnerable enough and I, I'm here for you. And none of that should call us to be afraid of our emotions because opening up the door of our emotions actually leads us closer to God. So that's the first thing. How do you be alone? You let yourself have emotions. It's not weak. It's not vulnerable. I'm sorry that you've gone to people in your life who have not welcomed or received your emotions or have not known how to love you in your emotions, but God will and really only God will to the extent that you need. Like God knows if I need to just vent. God knows if I need to just hash it out. God knows if I just need to cry. God knows if I just need to sit there in silence with my eyes closed. He doesn't ask anything more, anything less, but very small movements of my heart just keep moving and grooving and healing and talking and whatever. Seriously, whatever the spirit prompts you to do, like the spirit of God just like moving within you, you're not doing anything wrong. And that's how to be alone. So no substance and welcome every emotion. The second thing I want you to learn how to do. If you would like to successfully have more time alone, and maybe you have mastered the art of welcoming every emotion that you feel. So the second thing I want you to do is I want you to give yourself permission to have dreams. 
Um, and again, like I was saying, this podcast really comes from the fact that like we can spend so much time serving others and sacrificing our time for others and making um, time and effort for other people and ruminating over their situations or trying to solve their problems with our solutions. Um, you need time to yourself and I'm giving you permission to turn off the desire to love that way. Oh, wow. So anti-Christian. But actually, it's very Christian because if you've ever opened up your Bible, there are numerous passages where Jesus said, and then he went away for a little while by himself. Um, so he needed time to refuel with the Father, and that's what we're all called to do. So I, I give you permission to dream, and whether that's journaling or thinking about things or calling to mind the attributes in other people that you admire, um, the role models in your life who you're striving to imitate, please, Lord Jesus, not let it be Cardi B. Um, but just think about that kind of person that you want to be for other people when you are around them. Um, and what kind of person you want to be to find yourself attractive. So when I spend a lot of time alone, I remember when I was 20 years old, I wanted to learn how to be alone because I was like, I want to be the best version of myself so that when a guy comes into my life, I know who I am and I know what I stand for and then the way he is doesn't rock the boat. Like I am who I am at all moments. I don't compromise myself for him. I don't put a mask on for him. I am who I am and I need to know how to do that and I need to do that on my own. It's kind of like working out. Like you have to go to the gym 20 minutes a day, 20 to 60 minutes a day, put the work in, and the results will come. People will notice what you do in private shows in public. I love that quote. Um, it's something like, don't boast about yourself, let success be your noise kind of thing. So again, we all have like these different things that we dream of in our identity. So again, working out was a big one for me. That was a lot of my time alone when I was in my early 20s. Um, now reading, uh, podcasting, actually talking this stuff out helps me a lot. So I hope <laughs> more than anything, you guys get an, a lot out of it. But if not, I'm empowered by it. Um, maybe you're a coach. Maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you are a writer. Maybe you are a musician. You need to do those things alone. Um, and you need to dream about what kind of success you want to have with them. Because if you have those little desires and you create in that empty space, you know, empty space gives a lot of room for creativity. Everything you're thinking about and preparing for and then hopefully praying for and allowing God to work with you on it is going to come to fruition and it's going to come into its complete it's completeness and it's going to be for you and it's going to be the way that you love the world and you inspire others. And essentially, if we really want to love the people in our lives well and we want to be there for the people we're sacrificing for, whether we're in romantic relationships or it's our friends or our family, they need us to be the best version of ourselves. They need us to refresh. They need us to fill up our cup on our own. And they're never going to tell you that. That's not something you learn from another person. That's something you learn from yourself. And you almost have to create that mindset to be able to say, I'm going to take this time alone for them. But at the same time, you're benefiting it. You're benefiting from it for yourself. And that's 
powerful. It's absolutely powerful. So little by little, give yourself permission to dream. Maybe give yourself permission to notice what kind of ways you're having negative thoughts. Write them down and get rid of them. Maybe the things that you're believing about yourself that are consuming you, you can just like ask Lord to bring his perspective into it. Um, God wants to expand his plan for you. He has bigger dreams for you than you have for yourself. And someone told me that. So I'm telling you that. And God's mercy is capable of changing every bad habit into something good, every weakness into strength. He recreates in us what we have destroyed. And little by little, um, our minds, our bodies, and our souls in that time alone will we'll understand what we have to offer when we are in the moments to offer the best of ourselves. So believe, 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 trust, trust, trust that God's grace is transforming you when you turn to him for that kind of fulfillment and you don't turn to those attachments, the online shopping, the material goods, um, even just being fixated on how people see you and your reputation, your romantic life, your husband or wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, If you have kids and you're listening to this, your friends, like, just confidently turn to the Lord and and pretend you two are the only people on the face of this earth and say, like, I'm open to you teaching me, Lord, through your wisdom. I welcome everything that you want to accomplish in me because my desires aren't good enough on their own. Like, It's God who gives us that desire when we turn to him and him communicating to us those things that he knows within us that he wants to create in us. So remember, whatever those things about your identity are that not only make you feel like a dreamer, but make you feel attractive. Like if you know those things in your life that you're participating in make you feel like the best version of yourself and you feel attractive and you feel on fire and you're authentically yourself, it's going to inspire people. That is going to be a flame that catches so fast and it's just going to ignite an entire alley of other people on fire for, for their identity and their love in life. So have that trust that God wants you to dream and has bigger dreams for you than you do for yourself. Give yourself permission to have that hope. Hope is a scary thing. Hope is a dangerous thing. We learned that from Shawshank Redemption. But to tap into those mysteries and those treasures and those glories within our heart is to deprive ourselves of our lives and our livelihood and the goodness that we have. And I think so often we turn to substance or we turn to those emotional or physical highs of our lives because we we don't have hope in the fact that like we can be unapologetically ourselves or we can't be the best version of ourselves because it's not humble or it's not whatever but for the greater glory of God you need to own every gift and talent he's given you because you didn't concoct it you didn't create it you ain't that special he gave it to you and, and if any of you are parents or if any of you have, like, mentored or spent time with young kids, like, the worst thing in the world, or if you're, like, a coach or an athlete and you see it in your friends, when they're not being the best athlete you know they're capable of, or they're not being the best musician you know they're capable of, or they're so, like, 
shut down by fear and insecurity but you know they're so talented you just clench a fist and you're like why are they not being the best version of themselves i've seen them perform better than this and you get frustrated like that's god the father god is like why is my son or daughter reducing the glory of what i know they're capable of to like this navel gazing weakness and they're not even like showing any of the world how good they are Just let that sink in for a minute. That's what God sees when you know you ain't being your full self. So let that sink in more and more. And the third thing I want you to do, this one's for the people who are dating. And even if you're not dating, listen up. Here's how it goes. Dating is not marriage. When you get married, you stand before Every single person in your life who you want to show the witness of your love to, you stand before them making a promise to your now future spouse that you will love that person for better or worse in sickness and health till death do you part. If you've ever watched The Office... It's not a spoiler alert, but it's it's a funny moment. In the very, very, very last episode of The Office, season nine, episode the last one, Dwight and Angela, maybe it is a spoiler. Oh, uh, Dwight and Angela are getting married. And I think it's the greatest thing ever that like the Shroot family custom of Dwight's like lineage and generation, whatever, is that the husband and wife, while they say their vows, have to stand in their graves. Like, they dug up these graves, and Dwight and Angela have to stand in them and profess what I just said, like, sickness and health, better or worse. Because the, the thing, um, I forget who says it, but they're like, the husband and wife are now going to start the ceremony by standing in the only thing that will allow them to get rid of the commitment they're about to make. It is only death that allows a husband and wife to really part ways. And I know we live in a culture of divorce and lawyers and annulments, but I mean, if I can put anything on a piece of paper at this point, then I guess I have all authority by the signature of a lawyer and by the government to basically say I'm no longer married to someone. I don't know. The whole thing's messed up in my mind. Really striving to have one successful marriage till death do us part. And I'm working for it. So hold me to it if you want. I'm allowing it. But if you're dating someone, and even if you're one year into it, six months into it, six years into it, you're still not married to that person. And if you have not taken the time to know what it's like to be alone, and you feel in your heart that you haven't done that, and you feel in your heart that you're not the fullest version of yourself, and there's more areas of your heart and your life and travel and the world that you want to see, and you have not done that yet... You're not obligated to be with that person in a vowed commitment. You have not stood before your loved ones and before that person putting a ring of promise on their finger that you owe them anything. You haven't. So move on if you need to. And the reason I need us to start learning how to be alone is because if we have the desire to break up with someone while we're dating... The reason we won't is because we don't know how to be alone and maybe we don't have good friend groups or maybe we don't have good family or maybe we just are so connected and so validated through that person. But I'd like to propose that dating should not be a source of validation for you. You're 
aloneness and who you are in your identity as a son or daughter of God. You were chosen for great things. You were destined for great things. And by the grace of his entire purpose in creating you, you are not obligated to anyone in this world except him. And if you keep continuing to date like you owe that person your entire livelihood, that's why you're going to end up sad and anxious and really unsettled. And I got to just say it firmly because I'm so sick of this world being defeated by the emotional states of other people. I know we're all wounded. I know no one's perfect. And I know no one's going to offer you everything in life. But we keep convincing ourselves that that's going to happen. And we keep feeling bad for wanting to be alone or wanting to be single because we have not learned how to validate ourselves through the love of God for us. We can't concoct perfect love for ourselves. I'm 25 years old. I am hella single. I have been for a majority of my life. And I know that everything in my life that makes me affectionate, loving, sacrificial, and even committed it to the autonomy that I have is the fact that I give God permission to validate me through what he says in his word and not what other people say in their comments, in their judgments, in the way they perceive me, or even in the way they try and approach me and date me. I am no way, shape, or form validated through another imperfect human being, and I'm only validated through a perfect God who loves perfectly and unconditionally. And now we need to learn a new definition of love because a lot of people fall under the lie that if we love someone, we owe them our entire livelihood. And that's great. Take them to the altar of marriage and give them your entire livelihood and promise them that. Okay, that's great. But like, If you're not married, you're not called to drop everything about yourself to just reduce the fact that you are this complex, deep, emotional, and like feeler of a person who needs time to create that space for yourself, not just for another person. Don't always be the shoulder to have someone else cry on. You can cry on your own shoulder and just know that what you're doing in that time alone is going to be a gift to someone else and you need to take advantage of that. And I will say another um, like list of red flags in relationships um, is just because, and, and you know, love, let's go back to the definition of love. The definition of love is to do what's good for another person, to do what's best for that person, even if it's at your unhappiness, even if you don't feel good doing it, even if you feel like you're out of control now doing it. If you genuinely love someone, you will do what's best for them. And breaking up is an act of love. Breaking up is saying, I love you so much that I know I'm incapable of being with you because you have these values and I have these values and honest to God, they're not going to work out together. Um, An act of love, you know, breaking up with someone because you want to pursue this desire of your heart and they're going in that direction and you don't think the paths are going to cross. That's an act of love. You genuinely have successfully loved someone if you do what's best for them, even if it doesn't feel good. 
And that's love. And we can't keep thinking love is to just be their crutch or to keep going back to them because the emotions are so heavy. And you keep going back to them because you didn't do step number one and welcome those emotions and process those emotions. You just listened to those emotions and went back to that person for coffee or a text exchange or something emotionally charged. And now you're back in their life. Um, I have so much to say and all the energy to say it. Can you tell? So another list of red flags I want to give you in in the name of trying to be alone is, um, it, again, these go with dating relationships. So again, back to number one, if you can't welcome every emotion with your significant other, probably not a good thing. If they are emotionally unavailable... <laughs> And everyone like knows what this means when they hear this term. I don't need to define it for you. If if they are emotionally unavailable, they will make you feel like your basic needs are too much. And I was a victim to this in one of my relationships. I, I was not a highly emotional person, but we were dating long distance and I had really emotional feelings about it. And like if I was happy, sad or cried about it or did something about it, it was always unwelcomed. It was always like, you're not being strong enough in this situation. It's like, oh, actually, I'm not allowed to cry because I miss you. Well, that's weird. So if someone's emotionally unavailable, they will make you feel like your basic needs are too much. Your basic needs are not too much. And you should fight for your basic needs because you need to fight for your wholeness and your wholeheartedness. So don't ever think, and we're going back to the first point I made, that you will connect with someone if you put your emotions aside, if you make yourself, if you make yourself emotionally unavailable, and if the only time you are connecting with someone is at social events with other people or when you're drunk or high or both, that's a problem. And then throw sex in there. If you're only connecting with your significant other that you're dating when you're drunk or high or you're at social events and you don't have to have the hard conversations and alone time with each other, that's a red flag. And don't dupe yourself by thinking, wow, we have great times and we're really great together when we're in social settings because it's what happens in private and how you feel in private that makes or breaks the difference. Because the same type of way you would be if you're alone, the value of having another person in your life dating you is that they add value to that experience of being alone. So whatever emotion you're welcoming in your rawness, they should be there comforting, encouraging, communicating, saying, what can I do that you need? And that's what God does. Like he knows what we need before we ask. He doesn't try and assume what we need. And you know whether or not you need that person to empathize with you or to go out and get you something or to just, hey, can I just like lay on your shoulder and just embrace you for a minute? Like those are the kind of connections in those emotional states of mind that any the emotional states of mind, I guess that works, um, that you should be receiving from the person you're dating. Another red flag, um, this one goes out to the guys, and then I'll alter it for the girls, but if the only way you feel empowered as a man is in the bedroom having sex or doing anything sexual, if that's the only way you feel empowered as a man 
you you're reduced to just your sexual identity you are so much more than that you have emotions you have feelings you have trials you have job situations you have friend situations you have family situations you are deep wells men and i am cheering for you and i feel so bad for the ones out there who are dating and in dating relationships and that feel that the only way they've been empowered as a man is through their sex life we have done such wrong as a generation in empowering and bringing up young men. And ladies, don't ever think that you will keep a man's attention or keep his fidelity by letting him be empowered in the bedroom. And I mean this strictly without any, without having to have a conversation on domestic violence or without having to have a conversation about consent and a good, normal, healthy sex life within the bounds of marriage because that's where it's supposed to exist. If you are only feeling empowered in your life, by what you can perform in the bedroom, do not let yourself be reduced to just that identity. Give yourself that alone time. Know what your dreams and desires are and to welcome every emotion. You need to be able to receive unconditional love to be able to give unconditional love. And you are more than just your sexual values. I can't say that enough. You should listen to that eight times. <laughs> the third red flag in dating um, is that your conversations are not meaningful or purposeful. If they're always involving little arguments or you're afraid to bring certain subjects up because they're never received well or you're afraid to bring up certain topics like politics and religion because, well, we don't need to touch those areas. That's just how it is. That's wrong. And you should have hard conversations, even if they're what they should be is hard. Um, just allow yourself to have those conversations. But also recognize the way that your significant other speaks to you. So when God speaks, and remember, when we receive God's perfect love, we're going to know what good love feels like. When we know good, valuable blessings in our life we receive those from other people if our mindset has been trained where love is synonymous to the first person we were romantic with if love is the way that that person treated us for five years in a relationship we might have a wrong definition of love and that's why we keep going back to what that definition of love is and that's what's comfortable and when you ever wonder why people are either staying in the same relationship or going back to the same relationship it's specifically because their brains think that that's what love is I'm 25 years old and I have spent a lot of time pursuing a really healthy and good relationship with God. And because I know what his love feels like, I know what his love says, I know the sound of his voice the sound of versus the sound of a lie or the sound of like an awful voice. Now that I know what the voice of true love sounds like, the people in my life who are going to imitate that goodness... I'm going after them and I'm going away from the other people. So if your conversations with other people are not meaningful or purposeful or they say things or make you feel like you're not enough or they cause undue anxiety in you and they rush you and they guilt you and then you can't have a meaningful or purpose conversa purposeful conversation about anything... You need to rethink that. Communication and conversations need to be the foundation of a relationship. 
And again, you need to know that like those conversations, even if they're hard, should be doable. And then also in that, know your non-negotiables. Know what kind of things you don't tolerate and be willing to say, my non-negotiable is that I need to date someone in the faith or I need to date someone who has these values or I need to date someone who wants kids and I will still love that person, but I'm striving for the life that that will give me this kind of blessing and, and generations to come and uh, generations and family of faith and these values. If you're pursuing that, you can still love someone who doesn't have those values, but don't marry that person. Don't think that you need to vow your life to that person. You can still love them. And love has so many different layers of what it feels like and looks like. But for the sake of values and who you are and what dreams you want and what kind of direction you're walking in, you need to marry someone who can complement those things. That's what's going to be successful. That's what's going to matter in the most. And I love the Taylor Swift song on the Evermore album where she says... There is happiness after you and there is happiness because of you and both of these things can be true. Don't be so fixated on the fact that you think you found the one and we met at this group or we met in the perfect situation or we met here and it's perfect and his family loves me and whatever. No, because happiness can exist with that person. Happiness can exist after that person and both those things are true and you need to know how to be alone and to know what your non-negotiables are and to know what kind of values you want in another person to be able to have that peace and that assurance that what you're choosing and who you're choosing to spend the rest of your life with is going to have meaning and purpose. I'm on a roll here. The next thing and the last thing I want you to know in your dating relationship is that circles all the way back to how to be alone if you can't have a life outside of that person you need to get out if your life revolves around them your mental energy revolves around them if all you're doing is thinking about their problems and not your own if it's always about their problems and not yours you need to get out you need to start knowing what it's like to have a life outside of that person and remember when you break up with that person you're not going to know what life is like without them you're not going to know what that is but you have the utmost opportunity to create that life and that is a gift and that is a blank canvas and that is a free space and that's a blank space and I don't want you to fill it with the love of another person I don't want to I don't want you to fill up with a hookup on tinder I don't want you to fill it up with any emotional high or substance use I want you to fill it with who you are and what your purpose is and if you don't know who you are and what your purpose is you're gonna find out and you're gonna be alone and you're gonna know what it's like to have a life outside of that person and God willing they'll come back to you if they're meant to be for you but if not you're going to move on and you're going to have peace because you're going to walk in the direction of life that you know you're made for and that's how you be alone and that's how you learn is you really just use everything you can to build that empty canvas to build that life for yourself and to know that who you are is not equivalent to the person you're dating who you are is not equivalent to your family even though you carry so much of them biologically and emotionally in you and who you are is not equivalent to the way your friends validate you the way your friends act etc 
you are who you are and it's time to discover who that person is. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen in the quiet. It's going to happen from personality tests. It's going to happen because of the experiences you've had in relationships and you're going to be able to pull from this story and pull from that story or this experience and that day and that event or that college course or whatever it was and you're gonna be able to identify all these avenues and all these layers of your identity and you're gonna be firm in who you are and you're gonna know what you stand for and you're gonna know what kind of life and values and feelings that you're gonna live for and this is how you be alone and you have to create that space to be able to tap into that and to receive the love of God who's only going to lead you on that path of becoming the best version of yourself. Because it's through receiving perfect love that we become more of ourselves. And when we know the love of God for us, I wish we could understand the depth of what God has in store for us and what kind of love he has, has for us. And if we create space for that, we're going to be fulfilled and satisfied, empowered, connected, meaningful and purposeful, hopeful and joyful, and all the more goodness. <laughs> I did not do that on purpose. And all of the more good things and goodness that comes into your life outside of that and within that and through you. And may his blessing be upon you and around you and within you and all over you. Please, for the love of all that is good and holy, learn how to be alone. Loneliness is not a curse. It is a gift. Solitude is a time to create. Open up a good book. Um, go to daily mass. Start praying for other people. Spend time with good friends. Have good conversations and have good conversations with God. And you will know the identity that you long to live for and the way that you know you have found your own integrity and attractiveness and all the gifts and talents hidden within that heart um, underneath, underneath the substance, underneath the social nights, underneath the loud and noisy life you live. Um, we're made for so much more. And I just, I didn't even touch the surface of what kind of greatness we are called to because it's the adventure you're called to go on. Um, and I'll leave you with a quote from St. Augustine who said, People travel to wonder at the heights of mountains, at the huge waves of the seas, to the long course of the rivers, to the vast compasses of the ocean and the circular motion of the stars, but yet they pass themselves without wondering what is deep within.